On Sky Sports Radio, time to review the weekend's racing with our stable of experts. He's pretty exciting, this guy. Streeting his rivals. Who impressed? Who didn't? Horses to follow. And have a look at the time. And your calls. Welcome to Punter's Postmortem. Really starting to go through his gears. Just continues to raise the bar. Uh, Yeah, good morning and welcome to Punters Postmortem on this Monday, the 22nd of May. Hope everyone had a great, great weekend. What a day of racing on Saturday. And for that fact, yesterday, all around the world, we had some really interesting performances. A lot to talk about in the world of horse racing. We're going to take your calls on 13.53.53. We're also going to take your text messages on the text line 0419 272. Our panel is Ron Duffersey, David Gately, and Michael Maxworthy. And as I say, good morning to Ron Duffersey. Duff, we had some good racing in Sydney on the weekend. A couple of very well-backed runners. Uh, Red and Ear, of course, the the one that really um, was a nasty result. I know for the bookies, they were death-riding it. But Jasper Franklin, mate, uh, he's a, a young up-and-coming, another one of these young up-and-coming apprentices, and he looks like he's got a bright future. Yeah, he has. He's um, still new to the Sydney ranks, and he was his first Saturday riding there on Saturday, and he, he could have easily went home with a winning double um, because one of them was unlucky, I must say, Alapir, but I don't think it was any fault of his own. It was just uh, they just didn't open up for him, but um, he showed good initiative, winning on a, a high-pressure ride, best back runner all day. Um, they made a big mistake with the market there, obviously. Um, they obviously didn't see the, <clears throat> the run at Gosford, but um, once he landed in front there, he did everything right on him. He rated him well. He gave him a rest and quickened at the right time. So he's another young man on, on, on his way because, you know, he, uh, you know Tyler's out of his time this, uh, this, this, uh, in the next uh, or the end of the season. And obviously, um, uh, Reese Jones has only got three months or so left. And uh, so he, we, we're looking for the, the next the brigade and Jasper will be amongst those. He certainly will. We had some brilliant Group 1 racing as well from other parts of the country, of course, in South Australia and in Brisbane. David Gately was on Sky Racing 1 with Mardo and, of course, uh, Davo. And uh, you had the front row seat, Gator, and we had some good racing around the country. No, it's, it's a fabulous seat. And, um, yeah, fabulous racing. You're right. Uh, gee, the, some of the field sizes um, have been... Uh, Massive, haven't they? And a, and a real challenge for punters after scratchings. But look, you spoke, you've spoken about the up-and-coming riders, um, which is great. You know, it's great for the sport and up-and-coming horses. Another three-year-old wins a feature sprint race. Uh, you got the likes of Golden Boom. Bubble burst a little bit with Altivo at Flemington, but it's not as if he ran poorly. So we're always looking for that next star, aren't we? We certainly are. And we see at uh, Doombin on the weekend a good crowd for their Doombin Cup meeting and. We had Zaki going around and SPing what a two fifteen on the fixed price, um, and that was on the QOP. But as I say, good morning to Michael Maxworthy, Peter and Paul Snowden get a Group One. Ryan Maloney gets a Group One as well uh, this particular season up there in Brisbane. And Huetor was too good. Good morning to you, Maxie. Good morning, Dave. Yes, he was. And if you stop the video or the race uh, at about the five hundred metres mark, I think he's the one that you wanted to be on because at that point. Zaki was about to come under tremendous pressure, something that we don't see uh, with him in the past. And, and Wedor Maloney was just swinging off him, got him into the clear. He did have the world's best run in transit, but he was able to finish off uh, a pretty good tempo solidly there to get up and beat Numeri. And Koba Lika was excellent. 
fleetingly, I thought he might get up on the rails and beat them, but the uh, the older, more seasoned horses were just a little too strong for him at the end. So he's the hot favourite for the Derby now. Kovalika coming out of that, and if he backs up, he's clearly the one to beat in the Derby next Saturday. What do we do with Zaki Duff? Because um, he was out in front. It wasn't like they were going helter-skelter. I think James even got away with a couple of 12 uh, second furlongs there down the back. Um, and then all of a sudden coming to the turn, like Maxie said, he was under pressure, which is something we haven't seen for a little while. Yeah, like he usually lifts under pressure. So uh, yeah, I'd say stop with him now and start again. He's had a little bit of an interrupted preparation as far as that, to put him out when he wasn't right early on and, and uh, Annabelle got him back and going again. So, yep, I, look, he's not getting any younger and he's he's got a high performance on the on the board that he, he has to live up to all the time. So he had an off day, uh, just put it down to that. He, we all know he's better than that and uh, we'll see how he comes back. Well, I'd suggest he, he doesn't train on, he'll he come back in the spring. All right, Maxie, what did uh, Annabelle or James say after the performance, um, and what was the uh, the mood like there on track? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, Wethor, um, he was well in the market. He went off at, um, well, his starting price was $10, but still, he was, everybody had him in their Quinellas and Trifectors, so uh, the mood was still quite up there, but, yeah, we knew if you're on Zaki and you stood him out in the quaddy, <laughs> um, tickets were confetti, although that first leg of the quaddy winner, I, I couldn't have found him, the Shanti Sniper, but... Um, yeah, it's interesting that the vet obviously went over. He monitored Zaki after the race. There were no significant findings. And then it's up to the trainer to report back if something comes up because I think they only sort of flex them up or trot them up. They don't actually scope them at the track. But clearly something wasn't right. And, uh, and Annabelle um, said that he's more than likely going to have a spell. Duff, the interesting run in the race was um, non-conformist. It was as if he yeah. didn't take any part or any interest in the early part of the race. But on the line, he was just starting to warm up. Yeah, you could nearly say it's the best. Well, well, tissue failed to finish. You could nearly say it was the best last you've seen But and beaten six lengths. It was a funny run um, from a horse that you'd probably, if he's forgotten when he gets to the mile and a half, um, you'd have to give him another chance because he was quite well fancied there. And Mm. we know these Graham Beg horses are racing so, so well. And I, uh, I thought he was going two to their one through the line. So it wasn't a bad run, but it was a, a funny run where he just seemed to get a little bit lost, maybe going uh, this way for the first time. And uh, I think he'll be better for the experience. Yeah, just out of the stewards' report um, on the Racing Queensland website. So non-conformist Jordan Childs asked a comment on the performance. He said that um, was back in distance, obviously you guys just said, from the 24 to the 2000. In his opinion, he's looking for further. A post-race veterinary examination uh, revealed no uh, significant abnormalities. The other one too, Zaki, and the Venetian reporting that uh, will now head for a spell, and that was to stewards after okay. the, the run. So um, a post-veterinary examination revealed nothing, um, and uh, trainer A. Nisham reported that Zaki will now head for a spell. Just a comment from you, Gator, as well, on the Doombin Cup while we talk about it. I mean, we've sort of covered off non-conformists that run, uh, Numerian. Uh, what about, there's a text on the text line saying, hey guys, uh, what about your opinion of Zarek and Dewis, who, I must admit on the turn, she was travelling, wasn't she? Yeah, look, she ran really well. Um, she obviously found the line sweetly, and um, those first four pretty much had the gap on the rest of the field. So they're the four I want to focus on. Uh, take the point with non-conformist. Um, either he's looking for further or he's doing universal prints or he's actually sore. 
and only warming up late, but um, I'd say it's more likely the former than the latter, uh, given that the stewards report you've touched on. But uh, speed was good. You know, they ran along uh, pretty much bang on group one average. So it's a good gallop. You know, they're good horses and they expect to run along at a good speed. And it's actually 0.4 of a length below group one average, that first section. The only two horses to break um, the, or to run uh, above uh, group one average last 600 were Hueto, the winner, and Kovalika, the three-year-old. So uh, great to see him measure up. But yeah, the first four are the ones I want to focus on out of the race. That's the uh, Doombin Cup. You can get involved on the text line 0419-767-272. We'll jump down to Sydney because there are some texts here, Duff, in relation to uh, Red and Ear. Obviously, um, was a big watch for all of us because we mentioned on the punters panel, they went up 650. Now, that wasn't an imaginary 650. That was taken. Uh, there was a couple of big bets um, via a agency or via a club. So they were they were cash bets. Uh, at the 650, and then it just continued to firm right up into as much as even money before they jumped. I think it uh, got out to 210, 215 as they uh, let the gates go there. But did you expect it to be in the position it was in the run, or do you think Jasper just rode it like the best horse in the race? Um, I No one expected it to be in front uh, in the run, you know, considering Token Capitalist was uh, 10 lengths in front of him at Gosford. <laughs> so and he's you know mm. he's four or five lengths behind him at uh, the next run when he's even money. But I think he jumped well. Um, he was told to ride him. The, 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 I think the official uh, change of tactics went in from the Wallets team to say that we're going to ride him closer midfield with cover, midfield with cover. But when a horse jumps like he did and nothing wants to go forward, uh, you're allowed to use initiative. And I think. I heard, I might be wrong, but I heard Steve Railton uh, behind closed doors said that praised the ride, saying, well, you judge the situation well. You know, you, you got to, you, it can't be all about riding to instructions, these races. You, you, sometimes you have to uh, make a decision for yourself. And that's exactly what he did. And in his own words, it might have been my last ride for Chris Waller. Uh, if, it got, if it got run down and uh, ride, ridden out of his comfort zone. But he wasn't out of his comfort zone because um, he, he, he relaxed beautifully in front and didn't overdo things. So uh, he went to plan B and plan B turned into plan A. What about the, uh, the run of Miss Madison who was sort of held up and, and had a bit of a checkered run in that race? Yep, she did, and excuses, although she did run last beat in seven lengths, but you could see that she had excuses. I thought the best run in the race was Dream Hour. I know he hasn't won in a long time. He was trained in Victoria, but he was the horse. A lot of these horses that were on the inside at Gosford, who you're going to be very forgiving of, and you'll make money out of them. And he was one of them. He just ran into the wrong horse because he was okay without the flashing light at Gosford, bar being in the slow lane. Mm. Uh, but on a fairer track there Saturday, he, he launched to the line. So he's got his foot on the till in the right race at this time of year. And money from the sky, another text here. He sort of just had to face the breeze early, didn't he? Yeah, look, money from the sky is a very talented horse, um, but he is his own worst enemy. He just doesn't go early, and everything's just got to go right for him, and it's only going to go right for him one out of ten times. Mm. So, and he needs the track to play his way. He's just a... Horrible racing style where he's a big slug, gets out the back and then motors home or you make an early move on him. He's a he's a strange, strange horse, but a very talented one. Here on uh, Punters Post World this morning with Ron Doversy, David Gately, Michael Maxworthy. Give us a call on 13 53 53. A text here in relation to the Melbourne racing 
on the weekend. South of Houston. Um, can you ask Gator his thoughts on South of Houston at one race nine on the weekend and one for Mick Price, Mick Ken Jr. And another one of these sort of Mick Price, Mick Ken Jr. fillies, or she's a filly, obviously, but these horses, Gator, that they seem to be able to place them well and continue to get good results out of them. Yeah, that's it. A promising uh, galloper, obviously still lightly raced, tried like uh, Black Caviar before uh, the debut, had excuses, came back, did the same thing, um, and then is now able to win a couple of races. I think the, the main box that was ticked on Saturday was uh, was able to run the she was able to run the 1200 metres out, and that was the query going into that race. Um, she did get away with a um, you know an even tempo about a length or just under a length below sort of all averages. Ran okay time overall. So, and what she did was win from an inside draw um, up the straight, which not many are doing of late. It was a great ride to sort of steer to that middle and run along and, and kept running. So. 1,200-metre box ticked, still with upside, handy second, third-level horse. The Tab Goodwood on Saturday. There's some texts here from uh, from down south. They were cheering on, obviously, Front Page and Mammoth, which came out of the uh, Wagga Town Plate. Royal Merchant, obviously, was the winner there, Gator, but gee, there were some nice runs in behind. I thought that Lofty Strike went pretty good, considering uh, the, the race that he had in transit. Um, no fault of anyone, just a, just the way it panned out. And Front Page was obviously very good with his big weight. Yeah, another three-year-old wins a feature sprint race, eh? You know, gee, we're slow learners, some of us like me, but uh, Royal Merchant, um, all on as the winner for me. Covered more ground uh, than them. Zappa Tay and Lofty Strike had softer runs than, um, than him, and he still beat them, um, you know. So um, I don't know how else to look at the race. Lofty Strike had a greater CV going into the race, hence the price differential. But it just shows you how tough it is to stay up, you know, at the at the top level, especially for a young athlete, and then travel into state. And, um, you know, he, he still ran really well, but uh, he wasn't. The, the lofty strike that ran in the Oakley Plate would have won that race, um, and that wasn't him. What do we put this down to, Duff, that these three-year-old fillies, is it just a, a good good group, or are we not respecting them in the marketplace? Do you feel as though that the older horses are just dropping off a little bit. Like, what we, we seem like it every week, and Gator makes the point where another three-year-old, especially these three-year-old girls, uh, are doing good things against older horses in sprint races. Well, we have been preaching it on this program for about a month or six weeks yeah. now uh, that the three-year-olds are having a great year and should be respected in these types of races. And um, like oh, I said, we're, we're, not following, we're not following through with it. So... Um, Three-year-old filly, um, great form in Adelaide, uh, had the combination there of the two big group one season performers in Ma Eustace and Michael D, <laughs> and it's all easy now. Uh, yeah. And it was the best run in the race, by a long, as Gator said, by a long, long way, because she, uh, nothing had a tougher run than her. Uh, although that track may have been playing out there. I haven't studied all the races, but obviously it was wet, and uh, it might have been... Uh, a good place to be, but she she was very very good, and she she really wanted it the last bit when another award um, with a similar weight had come through and dashed through and looked like it was going to outpoint her. So it was a great effort. Certainly was. While we're in Adelaide too, uh, we did have Mick uh, Mick um, Ken Junior on the program last week, Gator, and he gave us a bit of a tip on the Friday morning. He said, "I like uh, a horse called Thought Provoking and." Uh, she was very good uh, in that uh, 10 furlong race. Yeah, she was terrific, and she's uh, progressing. You know, you can argue strongly. She should have won her first two, this prep, this horse. And 
and then was able to lead and, and get control of that race on Saturday really well, rated by Benny Mallum, who's just a, a fabulous rider as well. And, um, you know, pretty much bang on class average, ran good overall time. So if you're doing that from the front, you're going to win a lot of races. And um, she uh, took some reasonable scalps in that race on Saturday. I know a couple of those that underperformed, the Cap de Joires of this world, but um, a good, strong win and merit on the clock. Maxi, Queensland. Uh, let's go back and have a look at uh, Zia here because a text uh, from Bill on the line. He said, mate, I was all over Queen of Dragons. What did you make of the run of Queen of Dragons? And what about the winner, Zia, for Game Waterhouse, Adrian Bott? Well, Zia was terrific. And it'll be interesting to see whether she backs up in Messiahs this coming Saturday at Eagle Farm. Uh, she drew a wide gate, but there was a horse that really tore along in the lead there, Zabo, and strung them out. So... Zia was able to get over comfortably, but it was a relentless gallop. And she was doing the chasing. Uh, she kicked through along the inside, down the dip, and she was able to hold on and beat a bounding who was good three wide. And uh, the Kiwi filly certainly can, was mostly wide too. Um, regarding Queen of Dragons, Duff, I'll bring you in on this. She just seemed to get back a little bit, like shuffled back and then ran on well. But she was entitled to, when you look at the splits, Yep, I, I was all over her. I thought she was a good thing um, going into the race. And she didn't hold that barrier, which I expected she'd hold a midfield position, but she didn't. She was, uh, you're right, she had to run on, and she did run on. Uh, but uh, let's just assess her next time. I'm just trying to get a grip on her. Maybe she might be a miler. Uh, but um, the winner was terrific. Once she, I thought she'd be in that speed battle and get caught three deep, but... Uh, it didn't happen that way when, like you said, that leader went out and she got across. She's she's excellent. She's a sharp filly, a very sharp filly. Um, past 1,200 metres, I don't know, but from that stable, you never um, disrespect them. So um, it was all about the winner. She was excellent and uh, using petrol early and holding off the finishes. And one of uh, your old mates, Frumos, getting the chocolates as well there on the weekend, Duff. Yeah, job, job done with her. Well, she's had to live... With that boom, she looked so good at those first few runs and then she had excuses and was unlucky a few times and then she was a beat nods on favourite a few times and punters had the enough, of, enough of her. But she said, look, she's a young mare. She's a stakes winner now. She's beautifully bred. She's worth anything. And um, I thought she um, was perfectly ridden. 1-1, uh, cruising. Um, and like I say, job done being a stakes winner now. And if she can go on, it, it's a, on with it, it's a bonus. I want to follow us most. Uh, not ready yet, not there in the coat, not really acclimatised. It's uh, it's one to follow from the day for me. Um, the run, Maxi, of um, the third horse in that race, uh, what was it, Osmos? Um, yeah. it was, I just spoke, yeah. Yeah, it, um, it was a good run. And then the other one too, Maxi, as well, uh, Street Gossip. What did you make of uh, that? Oh, I think she's had enough. Yep. Uh, she, she was 1,800 back to the 1,600. Look to have a chance. She wilted a little bit late. So she's been up for quite some time too. So she'll come back a better filly. Uh, I think Joe Pride might be getting her. And the, the runner-up was excellent too behind Frumos. Princess Rainey's a, a mare new to Tony Gollan stable. She had the one start at Eagle Farm. Very unlucky. No clear running in the straight. And behind Frumos, while Frumos was getting the 10 from James... Um, she's a, a, a mare that likes to balance up and come from well back, Princess Rainey's, and she had to come around the entire field. She was 10 lengths off them, 
and she's only been beaten about a half a length. So, yeah, like Osmos, I think she's the other mare to follow out of that Princess Rainies. We'll take a break. It's 9.25 on Sky Sports Radio. We're on the Punters Postmortem. You're with David Gately, uh, Ron Duffersey and Michael Maxworthy. Give us a call, 13.53.53, if you've got a question for our panel. You're listening to Sky Sports Radio and Punters Postmortem. You certainly are. It's 9.28 on Sky Sports Radio. Whether you're listening right across New South Wales and the ACT via a radio network or via the TAB app across the country, Ron Duffersey, David Gately and Michael Maxworthy. Uh, your panel today and we're having a look at and jumping around looking at all the races across the country on the weekend and uh, Golden Boom obviously got the job done there in the Derby McCarthy and I'll come to you here Maxie it looked at the top of the straight like he was going to sprint away but gee Spacewalk flew home and made it very interesting that last 50 yeah it was um, <laughs> so Ryan Maloney had to really shake the reins at Golden Boom late there to hold he only got in by a narrow margin um, yeah, and the betting suggested he was going to go out there and put a gap on them. That didn't happen, but he's a horse that's... He's two uh, wins at his first two starts were over the 1,000 metres, so he's just got to contain the speed that he's got. He, he flew out of the gates, but there are a couple of other fast horses, so Maloney did the right thing by letting them go, and they were running along at a decent tempo, and he actually got a bit of a tighten-up. There was a suspension come out of it, and he was over-racing, and then had to shunt into the clear at the top of the straight. It was a good win, but Ronnie, tell us about um, the runner-up there, Spacewalk. He only needed another stride or two. Yeah, yeah. I don't, know, I don't think you need me to tell you. <laughs> I had to suffer it, but anyway, uh, he should have won. He, for, he just he grabbed the bit too soon on the point of the turn and run up their backsides and had to come back, and and it was a bit of a horror show for for, for Spacewalk. But look. He's a nice horse to win. He's a lovely type. Uh, he's he's probably still work in progress. If anything, I, I, I would have liked... He runs slower time than Mashani Sniper, and they come home slower as well, and Mashani Sniper's come from back. So, uh, look, he's, he's not there yet, but he might get there. Um, he, he's just... Uh, he's, he's just got to learn to conserve a little bit of energy, a golden boom. And he, he's. I think he's one of these horses who's got the boom on him very early, and he, he might just be put under the pump a bit soon. But in six months' times, I, I might be saying, well, you're you're, the, you're more the finished article now. I don't think he's the finished article mentally, and I'm sure he's talented. Uh, but um, as far as lining up next time and taking a dollar eighty, uh, I, I, I I don't know. I don't know. Gator, what did you make of uh, watching Golden Boom? Um, bit, bit scary for punters late. Yeah, look, it was. Um, I think there's a couple of ways to look at the race. Uh, one um, that the winner uh, held them off and was the closest to a really strong speed out of all those in the finish. So I think the win had some merit on that front. I certainly take Ronnie's point that Spacewalk was a good thing beaten. Um, in back at the 1100, the key there. And Lady Laguna, who just matched motors with our cabin, was third. So I think it's a race I do want to trust. Um, time-wise, yeah, really similar to Mashani, a sniper on the day, weren't they? Um, and uh, the early uh, fractions for the race were not dissimilar as well. So Golden Moon's race was 0.34 faster, and they've run really similar times. So I think he's actually rated okay relative to, to that the older horses on the day as well. So 
Um, that's the long, shortened version. What about um, as well? We're in Queensland. Just um, before we jump back down to Sydney, uh, surf dancer gets the golden ticket in, Maxie. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, ran last in the Archer and then um, yeah. got a lovely ride through, cut the corner there, got up to score. I don't know whether we saw the Stradbroke winner in that race, the BRC Sprint, um, although last year Uttergate Blood was second in it behind Soxagon and won. I thought Cardinal Gem was terrific there. If you want to pick one out of it, clearly it was him because he was obliged to race wide, in particular from the 800. You know, on that, that bend at Doomburn, it's not ideal to be exposed. He was four deep and much wider turning into the straight. I, I thought his effort was super there, Cardinal Gem, for, for Graham Begg. He should be able to scrape into the Stradbroke. Weights are officially released today, so we're going to learn a lot more. Dave, usually at this time of the year, we're talking about a couple of horses trying to win their way into the race. But yeah. this year, we're talking about six or seven horses. Lost and running's likely to be given top weight 50A but his status is spelling, so it's likely to be a case of you, Rothfire, allocated top weight. So once they're released, then we're able to work at some sort of order of entry. Yeah, there's an article written by Trent Knackers. Um, it's up on RaceNet and in your News Limited papers, no doubt this morning, definitely in the Courier-Mail. So um, lost and running, unlikely to co- compete, following um, that uh, second-last finish in the All-Age, as we know, as you mentioned. Um, so Mick Price, Mick Ken Jr., a case with you, likely top weight, with 57 to 57 and a half on his back. The European import um, in Saturday's Kingsford Smith at the weights for age level, which is a penalty-free race. Um, handicappers could slap Rothfire with up to 57 kgs after he ran third with 54 and a half kegs last year. And, of course, um, he continues on here that Ruthless Dame, Aft Cabin are understood to be the only three-year-olds likely to make the Stradbroke so far with the likes of Yellow Brick around 45th in the ballot order, set to receive 50 to 51. Equal third favourite, Opal Ridge, 49.5 kilos, will likely need to also win the Fred Best Classic to make the Stratbroke field. Local hope Scalapini is a short of a start, following his slashing run, of course, in that BRC sprint, uh, and is set to receive the 55 to 55.5 kilos for the O'Day Hoisted. Um, he will have to defy um, history, though. No eight-year-olds ever... Um, Won the race, won the Stradbroke. That's for Scalapini. Um, so that's, I guess that's key, isn't it, Duff? If you're playing these futures, like we hear Luke Pepper on the program last week saying this horse is flying and I want to go try and go Stradbroke and then into a Tats Tiara, um, but needs to win the Fred Best to get in. Yeah, it's a, it's a funny Stradbroke. Um, as far as it looks very hard and it be might be one of those races where you can wait and just look for something over the odds that's going to map well and is well weighted. Um, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's it's easy to like. You think about it, but do you want to take four fifty for a, you know, a, still a raw horse? I'd say um, he's he's doing a great job, but four fifty in a Stradbroke is uh, you know, a little a touch of unders. I thought, and then you go down the page. What else do you want to be on? I don't know. Mm. I don't know till I pick up and find the makeup of the field. You know, to think Scalapini, I know he's got a bit of weight, but to think he's twenty six dollars for, a, you know, a tough nut, and yeah, it's a, it's a tricky one. If Opal Ridge got in it, um, you'd be quite interested. I'd suggest. Yeah, it's a really interesting market, isn't it? Too because yeah. like think about it, it's four fifty as you said, but then Yellow Brick who. May not even be in the races. Your second favourite at $6. Cardinal Gem there we see at $8. Opal Ridge, another one. 
which might not even be in the race. And this is all in betting. Not trying to deter people from having a bet, but obviously just it's buyer beware. Ruthless Dame at eight dollars, aft cabin eleven. A case of you, you know, will be there. It's at fifteen dollars. Uh, Hawaii five O is at fifteen dollars. Rothfire at fifteen. Royal Merchant at fifteen, and it continues on. Is is maybe that top weight over the odds? Considering you know he's going to be there, and his run in the ten thousand wasn't too bad. Uh, Duff Maxi Gator. I say he'd be over the odds if we get a drop of rain. Mm. I'd love to see a drop of rain for him. And then the other one that trialed well the other day and, um, is Converge. He, he, he showed more dash in that trial that, than I've seen for a while from him. He, he's had a bit, a bit of a flat spot on occasions this uh, last prep. But um, I, I want to see him return. Um, yeah, that, that's, that's just too hard, that race at the moment. It's always a hard mm. race, but it's a race I like to look for, something at a bit of odds that, uh, well, appears to map well. Yeah, re- regarding the, um, the Stradbroke, I think a lot of people doing the form, they like to look at horses that can run beyond 1,400, maybe 1,500 to be strong because it's usually, well, it's capacity field, relentless gallop. And a case of you, um, he, he did win 1,400 metres in Ireland, some track that I've never heard of as a maiden, but most of his form has been 1,000 to 1,200. Three runs here as Gator will, he's got all the sectionals there. They've been, look at his split races, um, mad speed, and he's been languishing out the back and running on, sort of getting us in, but just not convinced 1,400. Uh, even with a horse like Rothfire, I know he's won the J.J. Atkins Group 1 two-year-old here. Um, he was third last year with a much lighter way. I kind of think that he's at this level around 1,300 max. Uh, you know, I, I hope I'm wrong. I'd love to see a horse like this who's had so many things go against him since, the, since he'd won the J.J. Atkins to win a race like a Stradbroke. But I'm thinking those top weights are, are going to find it really hard this year. What about Fireburn in the last, guys? Um, lovely ride by Jason. I thought he might have been in a bit of strife um, on the turn, but um, he got that clear passage and, boy, oh, boy, 2,200 in the Oaks. She's going to be mighty hard to beat. Duff? Yeah, I'd say so. Um, I must say it's the best I've seen a look. Uh, she's going really well and, and and carrying lovely condition. And a feather in Gary's cap, I must say, yeah. uh, to have her right after 42 days since the Oaks, the Sydney Oaks, uh, to have her like that. But she had a beautiful day out, uh, a perfect day out, where she wasn't exerted early, no pressure on her. Typical Jason Collett ride, just back through the, sniping through the field and and was very, very good. So we've got to bring all these horses across to Eagle Farm now, which won't worry Fireburn, won't worry Renaissance Woman. I thought Secure a Girl, the Kiwi, with uh, the Kiwis have been very strong the fillies in these um, in Sydney and everywhere else in over the Sydney Carnival. So I thought if she can behave herself a little better, she's right there as well. So that's that looks the Oaks form, doesn't it? Fireburn, Renaissance Woman, Secure a Girl. Um, I couldn't see. Well, I can't see too much else coming from left field for that Oaks unless you know uh, uh, Kieran Mars filly can can come and do something, but. Before seeing the makeup of the field, I, I think that uh, has to be the form that last race and beauty in the eye of the beholder there because I think all three went very well. But Fireburn's going to be hard to beat. Uh, David Gately, a um, couple of texts on the text line here in relation to Daytona Bay. Hi, can you ask Gator about Daytona Bay 
race six at headquarters on the weekend? Yeah, look, a, a handy sort of second-level horse. He, um, he took a pretty good scalp, I think, on Saturday of Altivo. They sort of got in a two-horse war, and um, the rider on Altivo, John McNeil, was much more confident coming into the straight. Daytona Bay looked to be at full bore, and with Altivo uh, was not. But when they got in that two-horse war, um, well, Daytona Bay just dug deeper. Um, you know, and it was a bob of the head. They both really wanted to win. That's what it looked like. Uh, but only one of them could come out on top. And, you know, I think Altivo's got a nice future. The race is rated quite well. Um, you know, off that good speed, they ran useful times. So without getting carried away, um, you know, it was only benchmark 84. But, um, you know, as I say, we're looking for the next day. We're seeing what Globes know to do. We thought Altivo would, would win well again, as a dollar fifty tells you. But, um, no, a good scalp. He, he wants the tracks uh, with a bit of cutting, I think. And he wants uh, to be, you know, get a good run. And that's when he's competitive. A couple more um, text flying in here. Duff, did you catch the races yesterday at the Sunshine Coast? No, no, I didn't. Maxie, did you? Not really, Dave. Amankura is uh, where the texts are going. It was race four yesterday. It was only a class one, 1800. But this is the horse that Chris Lees, I think we mentioned this uh, horse. I know I did because three starts ago at uh, Hawkesbury, it was... It was one of the worst things we've ever seen. Uh, then went to Newcastle and then uh, won with uh, uh, Digger on board. And then yesterday up the Sunshine Coast, over the 1800, uh, just put them away in good fashion there. Um, I think trying to get into the Queensland Oaks, it's a Kermadec Philly Duff. Um, Amankura. Have a look at it. Um, going around yesterday at the replays there at the sunny coast. Very impressive. Yep. I did see a win that uh, maiden at, I think it was Newcastle. Um, and she's backed it up there, so yeah, I'll I'll I'll, I'll have a look at her because I, yeah, she's lightly raced. Something could pop up on the scene, but um, it's getting late, so uh, yeah, I'll have a look at her. A couple of big bets just coming in too, guys. That the the guys have let me know from Tab uh, Eduardo and Paul Lely have both been backed this morning when it comes to the all-in market for the Kingsford Smith. So Eduardo. After, obviously, uh, being as much as $26 in this race all in, we know, obviously, what happened with the 10000 Joe looking to uh, get this horse in, you know, a, a suitable race with a suitable barrier. So Eduardo is uh, now $15 into $11 this morning, and Paul Laley has been 15 into 11 as well. Think about it as your three fifty favourite. A Case of You at $8, King of Sparta, 8 Rothfire, to be ridden by Blake Shin. Take note, Blake Shin has been booked to ride Rothfire. That article came out this morning or late last night. So he's had good success up there too, Blake, hasn't he, Duff? Oh, yeah, he has success everywhere he goes. He's a great rider. And, um, yeah, he'll suit that horse as well. All right, uh, we'll take another break. It's 9.43, Sky Sports Radio. This is Punter's Postmortem on Sky Sports Radio. Here on Punters Post Water this morning, it's 9.45. And Ron Darvissey, David Gately and Michael Maxworthy, your panel, give us a call on 13.53.53. Lots of texts on the text line, 0419-767-272. Saw a good performance overnight, uh, Maxi, uh, in regards to Japanese racing. I'm tipping that um, David Van Dyke would have been watching it as well, mate, because um, obviously he trained Yankee Rose and uh, her daughter, Liberty Island, is an absolute superstar, it looks like. 
amazing, isn't it? We know that there was a little bit of freak about Yankee Rose being able to run second in the Golden Slipper and then ended up running third in the Cox Plate. She's by All-American Yankee Rose, and I see where All-American stands these days in, in Perth at $4,000. Well, um, his daughter, Yankee Rose, has got this. They're, they're talking about it being some kind of freak day, Liberty Island. She's had, um, I think, five starts, four wins. She's won three Group 1s. She's a three-year-old filly by Duramente, who's a class act himself. And if you get a chance, if you haven't seen this already, have a look at the uh, Japanese Oaks yesterday. And Liberty Island gave them six-length start at about the 600, and she just trucked up, seemingly going three-quarter pace, and then she put six lengths on them over the final part. More impressive, they say, than Gentle Donna, who won this um, three-year-old series back in 2012. So, yeah, um, the Australian-bred Yankee Rose uh, with a daughter that could be, you know, freakish in Liberty Island. Yeah, it was freakish, wasn't it, Duff? I don't know if you saw that yesterday, mate, but yeah. just unbelievable. The, these horses, that just they have seem to have over there in the JRA are just, wow. Well, you can have Kentucky derbies and Royal Ascots. That's as good as I've seen. The last two starts, uh, I, it, it, it could be a one in a million. <laughs> it was just unbelievable. The, the last two starts, she is something special. They paid a lot of money for it, didn't they? Um, to buy Yankee Rose, they, they did. The bold farm? move, bold move, because she didn't. She had performance on the board, but she didn't have the big fat pedigree. But it was a, a, a very astute move. They, I think they would have, would have been very happy with what they got for her. And uh, to think that she's thrown a horse like this is just unbelievable. Mm, you know, with all these great, uh, you know, the, 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 the mares that they must have in Japan and the stallions that they've got, uh, for her to stand uh, alone amongst that lot with her three, that three-year-old is just incredible. And uh, she is world, she's on the world stage, that, that filly. Hmm. Gator, you talk about uh, equine athletes on this program. Surely they're the best. Yeah, well, that's as good as horses win. You know, I saw Martin Power do something extraordinary in a, in a Caulfield car. Um, but that's, my mind went straight back to that a long time ago to show how um, extraordinary uh, an effort it was um, to the eye. And then you look at the clock, she's run faster than Armand Eye. So, wow, we. Yeah. Um, also in some racing news, um, obviously some sad news, Maxie, that filtered through uh, on Saturday morning about um, Gary Newman. Yeah. Um, I only saw him a couple of months ago. Gary was sort of semi-retired. He kicked off StarCraft, and he had a lot of good quality horses prior to StarCraft, but that was the horse that put him on the international map. And then he won the Oaks at uh, Doombin about three years ago, 2019. Um, and then Paul Macon, who, whom he had a lot of horses for at the time, um, passed away just prior to the Philly winning the Oaks, and he had to cut his team right down. So he only had a couple in work, and he was driving floats from the Gold Coast to Brisbane, um, you know, leading the horses around and yeah, I was shocked to hear that news on Saturday morning. A wonderful, quietly spoken fellow, terrific horseman, and uh, and it was so sad. Well said, Maxie. Um, now, having a look here at some texts in relation to, uh, obviously, we spoke about Red and Ear. A lot of people must have been on Red and Ear. What about um, Miss Hellfire in the last? Um, Duff, um, very well back late. 
One thing I noticed was seemed to be crunch late on the totes. So obviously the big syndicates were quite keen to to play Miss Hellfire late. Yeah, they found they found her, and another that was three winners for Reese Jones, who had a great day, and just uh, another one lightweight um, gets the job done. Uh, you know, up and coming. Well, it's probably a right time of year for her to maybe go through some more grades. There, she's had a um, a form was pretty well exposed, and that was only. What a second win. So, uh, good win, but very dangerous getting too excited at mm. this time of year and coming in some of these you know, types of races. I'm not knocking the win, uh, but um, as far as uh, putting a boom on, I'll just wait and see. And what about then the Lord Mayor's Cup, where we see uh, Boyce Argent win, comes out of that Gosford Cup. So, again, those same sort of horses where we saw what Wagga and Gosford that weekend, they were coming to the fore, that top three. Yep, yep, and uh, he was just a horse that was a run short at Gosford. It's as simple as that. I think he can hold this form now, and I think he's the horse to follow out of the race. Uh, Navajo Peak continues his consistency. Wicklow is going well. Um, just runs twelve hundred, uh, two thousand. Just runs two thousand. I think maybe eighteen hundred is his, his sweet spot. But he's um, he did a, a pretty good job there, and uh, Thalassophile runs on. So that that race ran according to the marketplace. They were the big four in the market, and they and they dominated the race. How on earth did Coda Healy win? Ah, oh, wow. Uh, yeah, he, maybe you got to ride him a little quieter. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I just thought he just he's one of them box seat horses, but obviously not. He just ambushed late there, and was very good, very good. So maybe there's a little option for him in Queensland. Uh, Kyobi, frustrating for Sam. He's had a couple of placings lately, and I think he bled from one nostril. But he won't. He'll just have to go through the process to clear himself. Uh, Kyobi there, and Bazooka was quite solid. Tony B's got his foot on the till. Uh, but yep, a, a, an explosive win with fifty with a bit of weight as well. Yeah, what fifty nine kilos? He does have his foot on the till, Tony B, doesn't he? He was a bit tardy away on the inside. Yeah, that's Tony, uh, but he. He can improve again off that, and uh, look, he, um, he, he can win a race shortly, third up next time, and um, he can get. We know he can get up to towards two thousand metres, so he, he'll be better for the run. All right, Queensland Derby, Maxi Kovalika, one ninety at the moment uh, with the tab after the run in that wait for age race on the weekend. They were quite keen punters to chime into it. Do you think he's? He's the you know the definite one to beat, or do you think that uh, you're going to look elsewhere in this race? Oh, it's going to be a good derby. Um, promises kept. Um, Aberfeldy boy can run the trip, and the rough habit win a special sway. Like he, he came from winning a very moderate maiden in New Zealand to making a complete mess of them in the rough habit. But had Kovalika gone around in the rough habit, I've got no doubt he would have won it with his head on his chest, and then everything's perfect. But we've still got the. A little niggle in the back of our mind that he missed that race and he really put in there on Saturday. I know he went back to last and he sort of, you know, cut the corner, got up on the rails, but seven-day backup wasn't planned. So I don't know about the dollar ninety, but gee, it's hard to find something to beat him. It's When a horse like a three-year-old runs well at this time of the year, over 2,000 metres at weight for age, you know they're pretty good. Just having a look at... Like Rough Habit, he won three Doombin Cups. He ran third as a three-year-old, so that tells you the kind of, you know, how difficult it is. Um, and this guy uh, ran a great race there last Saturday, so I can't go against him at all. I think he's a, a real talent for the future, Kovalika, between a mile and, and 2,400. 
Exactly right. Now, last time I did a bit of trivia with you guys, we didn't do too well. So <laughs> let's, see. let's see. Let's see how you go today with the, the Queensland Derby. Who do you think is the leading trainer in history of Derby winners, Duff? Uh, I'll, I'll say Tommy Smith. Yep, Tommy Smith's correct. He's won 12. Yep. 12 Queensland Derbies. What about jockeys? Who do you reckon is the, uh, the, the jockey that's won the most Derbies? Well, I would say... Uh, Mick Dittman? Not Mick. Mick's on three. It's ring-a-ding-ding. Jimmy's won four. Jimmy, of course. Yeah, Jimmy's won four derbies, of course. Last year was won by Pinarello for James... Um, uh, Roger. Yeah, Yeah. uh, Roger James. Uh, Yeah, it was the James Wellwood Stable. Cucaracha won the year before that. I think Cucaracha actually raced in the Kovalika Colours. They're the... Yeah, yeah, Neville Morgan That's right. Um, and then just for some more stats, these things to form focus, uh, horses that have won the rough habit into the Queensland Derby, if you're doing that for your, uh, for your history form, 24 starters have won, or 24 starters have gone from that rough habit into the Derby, only seven have won. The last horse to do that double, of course, was Dark Dream in 2018, so... That's a look at the Queensland Derby, and that market, as I said, is opened all in. Maxie, we've had that confusion with when these races are going to be announced final field. Is this going to be Wednesday, or is this going to be tomorrow for these Group 1s? Do we know? No, I'm, no, I'm not sure. We all I don't know, know. The weights are released today. I'd rather just wait for them to come out rather than predict when, when they're going to come out. Yeah. No, just in terms of for, for sometimes these feature races, they'll announce them tomorrow with barrier draws and whatnot, but... Because um, I know we had that confusion with the 10,000 a couple of weeks ago. So um, yeah. we'll just have to keep an eye. I'm sure Steve Hewlett, who we, we will hear tomorrow on the Big Sports Breakfast with his uh, intro, of course, for Radio Tab listeners. By the way, as well, um, obviously, we've got Racing HQ for New South Wales and the ACT and also Racing HQ for Radio Tab. Jump on the Sky Racing website. Obviously, in that hour, I can't have every single person on. Steve will have other interviews, especially... Queensland-based interviews looking at this carnival. So jump on and have a look at uh, at the Sky Racing website or Apple Podcasts. All the interviews and all the content going around these carnivals is open as we speak. Uh, Foxy Frieda, before we get to horses to follow, got just a comment. She was very good in Adelaide on the weekend. Yeah, she was. She was off the map as well and uh, so strong winning that race. She's a terrific mare. I can't remember... If she's ever had a poor run, where she hasn't had a genuine excuse as well. So super genuine, great will to win. And uh, punters were rewarded on Saturday because they launched. And uh, she never looked like losing. She certainly didn't. Um, Billy Egan in the saddle there, and you're right, was one of the best-backed runners and a nasty result in Adelaide. All right, horses to follow for the weekend, and we'll get these up on the social media pages shortly. Uh, Duff, what are we following? Um, before that, there's a derby. At least I, I know the derby and the sires are out tomorrow with the acceptances. Okay. Um, I don't know about the Kingsford Smith. It should be. It's a Group One, but it's not. It's not uh, down to be done tomorrow. Uh, but I did see um, on the weights that the, the the derby and the sires will be out tomorrow. Horses to follow: uh, the obvious Celestial Legend. Um, out of race one in Sydney and two from Queensland on Saturday. Uh, a man behind the money who should have won the first. He's got upside to come. He's early in his prep and he's a, an import uh, with upside. And another import that's going to be coming an ongoing theme of these imports, isn't it? Osmos. 
uh, from the Waterhouse uh, uh, Bot Yard get better over further, and he was terrific on Saturday. So Celestial Legend, Man Behind the Money, and Osmos. All right, Maxie, your horses to follow? Yeah, I'm, I'm interested in uh, Man Behind the Money for sure next start. He could come up against the horse that finished slightly ahead of him last Saturday, Argyle Lane. Now, he's the half-brother to incentivise, and he ran the mile out very strongly, Argyle Lane. I'm thinking maybe something even further. They may even run against each other, Argyle Lane and Man Behind the Money. But um, continuing with the import, this um, Irish import, Eagle Mont, was having its first start for the Matt Dunstable in race number two. That was the race where most punters were cheering for Brigantine, who was so well handicapped in that class three. But this guy, Eagle Mont, he did trial well at Grafton for Matt Dunn, and he hadn't raced for a year. And I noticed um, when he failed at his last start in Melbourne, the vet report said maybe a throat condition. So he was off for a year, trialed well, and he put in a super performance, uh, finishing fifth on Saturday, only beaten 1.8 lengths. Um, now, he couldn't go early. He was giving the leaders about 12 lengths. He was three lengths behind the second last horse, but he motored home from being about eight wide at the top of the straight. And I also noted, too, it appears that he's always worn a tongue tie, but they couldn't get one on him on Saturday, so he went without the tongue tie, and that was probably one of his better performances since he, he's come out here to Australia. So he was $21 on Saturday, be nice if he was that kind of price again in around about benchmark 75. So I'm going to make it Eagle Mont to keep an eye on next start. All right. I love it. Gator? Uh, what have I done? Uh, Princess Rahini's, um, yeah, terrific finale. She was only second up. Verifier is still a maiden somehow at Flemington, but uh, if he ever works out this horse racing thing, he's going to win a lot of races. And, um, and Tony B, you guys have discussed him. He looks ready as well. All right, uh, and yeah, you're right to Duff, 100% right. As always, I've just jumped onto Riser to have a look at these programs for Saturday. So it's saying on Riser that final acceptances for the Derby, Kingsford Smith, the Sires Produce, all Tuesday the 23rd of May at 9am. So we will have final fields for those races at some point tomorrow morning, you would define, and then you'll probably have uh, some final field markets opening Tomorrow, uh, we've got Ramwick on Saturday as a meeting. I think we've just got a, a good standard meeting there. Uh, winter racing. We've got a, a Vobus day there in Melbourne on the weekend. Um, and where are we at? Um, well, the carnival's over there in Adelaide now, isn't it? We're back to just sort of benchmark racing at Murray Bridge. And we've also got racing in the West Plus as well in New South Wales. Albury Tari today. Kembla Grange tomorrow. Canterbury, Bathurst, Gosford, Goulburn and Lismore. Plus as well. Kembla, Royal Ramwick and Wagga on Saturday. So plenty to sink the teeth into. Jen, so much for, uh, thanks so much for joining us today on Punters Postmortem. Good luck and look forward to these um, fields coming out for this uh, Brisbane big day on Saturday tomorrow. Thanks, guys.